Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I love new things. I love new beginnings. I love to start stuff. So for me, today is a really fun day because we've got some new beginnings in front of us. We've got a new beginning with a new pastor joining our ministry staff here, the 13th pastor in the 153 years of this church's ministry. We've got some new beginnings here. We've got a new beginning as a church as we, as we burn a piece of paper indicating that our mortgage has paid in full and we step forward into a reality that is one that's not enslaved to debt. We have some new beginnings in front of us and we're going to be celebrating these beginnings today and as we move forward together. Beginnings. The first book of the Bible is aptly titled Genesis which is a Greek word literally meaning beginning. The Hebrew title of this book, this first book of the Bible, is actually the first three words in the English language in the beginning. That's how they titled it in the Hebrew language. Beginning. Genesis is a book all about beginnings and therefore those first three words And even the first five words, in the beginning, God created. Last summer, I preached through the first 25 chapters of this book of Genesis. As we saw about the story of creation, the fall of humanity into sin, the the flood, the Tower of Babel, the call of Abram and Sarai, the promise that Isaac would be born, all the things that happened leading up to that. Finally, Isaac is born, and when we left off in chapter 25, Abraham and Sarah had both died, and I preached a sermon titled, The Next Generation, as that baton was handed off to Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. This summer, we're going to continue this story in the book of Genesis, starting here today in Genesis chapter 26. But before we get there, I want to remind you about the promise, about the promise that God had given to Abraham. So we go back to Genesis chapter 12, and we read these words, "'I will make of you a great nation.'" And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. This is when God first came to Abraham. Put these, put these words in your mind. See if you can remember them, because it's going to make sense in just a minute. God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. That's chapter 12. Chapter 15, then, God comes to Abraham again, and he gives them a visible, tangible reminder of what this means God brings Abraham outside and he says, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're even able to number them. Then he said to him, God said to Abraham, so shall your offspring be. And if you remember, Abraham and Sarah had to wait a long time 
a long time. They, they, they even, you know, Sarah sent Abraham off with, uh, with her servant and had a child there, but that wasn't the one. God made them wait a long time, and they finally had that son named Isaac. And so in Genesis chapter 26, what we first heard read today, the, these words that were given to Abraham are repeated now to Isaac because his father is now dead. Chapter 26 starts with these words. God is speaking to Isaac and he says, I don't want you to go down to Egypt. Instead, dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. Here we go. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations shall be blessed. God is reaffirming the promise made to Abraham and giving it to Isaac right away and saying, Isaac, you understand your purpose here. I have called you. I have created you. I have chosen you to carry on the work that I gave to your father. It's your responsibility, Isaac, to carry on this family legacy. It is your inheritance. Your inheritance. Inheritance. When I was in the first grade, my dad gave me my first piece of my inheritance. I pray it's not the only piece, but <laughs> I got my first piece of my inheritance, I think, when I was in first grade. Well, well we call it a piggy bank, but it's in the shape of a toilet, all right? And uh, I don't know if you can read it, but right here it says, put a little money in the pot. I thought it was so cool. I thought it was so cool. My dad gave me this thing. So I said to my son, my one and only son, <laughs> I told Max years ago, because he loved looking at this thing, I said, buddy, when you're in first grade, that's when we pass down the mantle of the toilet piggy bank. I'm a little bit bummed because he's entering first grade in the fall and I got to give it up. And this is where I store my quarters. So I got to decide whether he gets a little money in the pot to start or, or not. So we'll see. But inheritance, right? We pass things down from generation to generation. <laughs> Isaac got the inheritance from his father. This promise that God made to him that all nations, all people on the earth would be blessed through him. A great promise, a great inheritance. But you know what Isaac also inherited from his father? Sin. From his earthly father, he inherited sin. I don't know if you picked up on the story today in Genesis chapter 26, but Isaac like step for step, does exactly on repeat what his father had done years before. When Abraham had uh, pretended that Sarai was his sister and not his wife in order to try to protect her. Did you hear it? Isaac did the exact same thing with Rebecca. What are these guys thinking? But I suppose that's how our genealogy goes. Our family trees often go. We inherit from our earthly parents, often their blessings, but also their sin. 
I mean, when I look at my own parents, I know which features and characteristics I've received that are the best and the worst of both of them. They both argue about, you know, which are the best qualities. They deny the bad ones, right? But we know how that goes, right? We, we understand that from our earthly parents, we receive both, both blessings, but, but also their sin. That's how it goes with earthly families. That's how it goes with our earthly parents. But the inheritance we receive from above, from our heavenly Father, is always much greater, free of blemish, free of stain, free of sin. That inheritance that is passed down to us. And I stand before you today grateful for my earthly parents because that was an inheritance they handed down to me, that faith to trust in Jesus Christ. So I give God thanks that I was raised in a family like that. Raised in a family where that beautiful inheritance, that one that is, as we read in in 1 Peter, one that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, one that Jesus is, is keeping for us in heaven right now, prepared for us, ready to be delivered on that day that he returns. That promise, I give God thanks that my parents raised me in and said, Aaron, this is for you, and that's for your children, and for their children. Many of you had a similar sort of lifestyle as well. Maybe you've never known life without Jesus. Give God thanks for that. For some of you sitting here, you're changing your family tree, your branch on it. Maybe your parents didn't raise you in the faith to trust in Jesus Christ, but now you know him, you believe in him. And you're changing that branch on the family tree, passing down this imperishable and eternal inheritance. And what a good gift that is. I I would go so far as to say, those of you raising children currently, that is your highest task. More so than passing down little trinkets. More so than passing down your entire estate. Passing down the faith to your children is eternal. That is your highest calling. In the gospel lesson today from the book of Matthew, we see Jesus beginning his ministry. Beginning, new beginnings, right? And the way that Jesus chose to begin his ministry was to gather together a group of men, sinful, broken men. You have their names listed for you in the gospel of Matthew today. But Jesus gathered them so he could teach them and train them and then send them with this inheritance of eternal life and forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And so as Matthew begins teaching them, he says to them these words, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest." to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is saying, there are a lot of people who need to hear about me. And it's going to begin with you. You're 12. There are a lot of people in this world. Pray that God will raise up people who will proclaim the goodness of Jesus into this world for the sake of the whole world. 
in order that the promise made to Abraham and renewed with Isaac that through their lineage all the world would be blessed, that promise is funneling through Jesus in his death and resurrection to his disciples, to you, laborers for the harvest. One other thing I received from my dad was a stole. Ten years ago, I was ordained into the office of the holy ministry, and my dad was the one who did that ordination for me and placed a stole on my shoulders. This signifies that burden, not in a bad way, kind of in a good way, that a pastor bears along with the congregation that he receives. A pastor is a laborer for the harvest. Not the only kind, but that's what they are. And today we're going to add Pastor Kevin Bender to this rank of ordained clergy. And guess what? His dad's also a pastor. <laughs> His older brother's a pastor. His younger brother's planning on going to the seminary to be a pastor. It's good. I guess sometimes, you know, this is the family business, but if you ask Kevin or I, both of us tried hard not to follow in our father's footsteps for a while, but here we are. But I tell you, being a, a, a laborer in the harvest of God is not just for ordained clergy. It's not. It's not. It's for every one of you who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. It's our inheritance. Eternal life is our inheritance. It is. Forgiveness is our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is our inheritance. But so is the calling to be laborers for the harvest because this world needs to be harvested. As we enter back into the book of Genesis here this summer, I want to remind you, people of God at Saints Peter and Paul, that as we begin, we begin God's ways. Kevin, as you begin, we begin God's way the way we do things around here, not our own way. Church, as we step into a future that is debt-free, we begin God's way. Saying, Lord, what do you have in store for us? Where do you want to send us? Send us. We're, we're ready. That's what it means to be a laborer in the harvest. I pray that you are ready. I pray that you will join in this task. I pray that you will sow the seed of the good news of Jesus Christ until that day when Christ comes again to deliver to the world that final inheritance of new and eternal life. Let's go in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.